Oh, Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that we get in your word, Lord, not that you're trying to control us or trying to make us be this or that, but Lord, you're giving us wisdom for life. You're giving us ways to help us to avoid trouble and to have the best life possible and to be uh, that for other people. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your goodness. We pray, Lord, that as we go into the message this morning, as we get into your word this morning, that we would likewise, all of us, Lord, receive it from you. Counsel, wise counsel from the God of heaven who loves us and cares about us, that you would teach us so that we might be blessed and be a blessing. We thank you for it all, Lord. Be glorified here in this place, we pray. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, we started out last week uh, talking about ambassadors. We uh, played a little clip from Shirley Temple, if you weren't here. Uh, saw her in later in life, and uh, we found out that the Bible says in Second Corinthians that we are ambassadors. Therefore, Second Corinthians five twenty, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We who are believers, we who are followers of Jesus, God has picked us out in this world to be his ambassadors to the world. And I don't know about you, but just to to think about that, to meditate on that, that the God of the universe has chosen me to be his ambassador, to be his emissary, to be, uh, uh, to partner with him to call Uh, people to reconcile to him, to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. And that's just phenomenal. I mean, talk about the most important job on the face of the earth, right? Because we're not talking about, you know, uh, transient stuff here. We're talking about eternity and making an eternal difference. So um, we have that ambassadorship. I have here, I think you can see this, I have a nightlight in my bathroom and it's red. You can see that. You know why it's red? Well, it's red because like many of you, I have to sometimes go into the bathroom in the middle of the night. And uh, they say that light uh, messes with your ability to get back to sleep, especially blue light, uh, white light. It, it messes. It has something to do with melatonin and all of that. Kind of, kind of makes sense. You know, light comes into your room in the morning and it, it wakes you up. It triggers your brain to say it's time to get up. So you get up in the middle of the night. You flip that switch. It's it's affecting your brain. It's saying, hey, it's time to get up. So they say that the red light. Uh, it doesn't affect that melatonin level, doesn't affect your ability. So that's why I have 
a, a red, plus it's just a lot nicer to see this dim red light and to be able to see in the room without flipping on that switch and you know getting that that shock. So that's why I have a red light. Um, but um, the thing about this night light, and I, I couldn't find just a red one, so I had to get one of these multi things that'll go green or blue, right? Um, this with all of them actually shines white, but you can see all the different colors in there. So pretty cool. Plus, um, it has this, when the power flickers, it goes through all of them. So you wake up in the middle of the night and the power has gone off for some reason, like it did last night. I don't know, did your house, did it my house. And uh, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and this thing's just flashing, it's pretty cool. But anyway, um, you and I, are a lot like this nightlight. Not just at night. Uh, this thing's on during the day. It's LED. It doesn't, you know, cost like two cents a year to run or whatever it is. Uh, but our light shines all day long, doesn't it? All day long at work, at school, at home, wherever we are, the grocery store, whatnot, our light is shining. You know, we're standing at the uh cash register and the person ahead of us has got some kind of an issue and they have to call for the, and you only got three things in your hand. You know, your light is shining, right? Um, and, and the color of our light can change, can't it? Throughout the day, depending upon the things that we're going through. We're really happy, you know, maybe our, 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 our light is white, you know, if we're if we're blue, you know, etc. So our, our light is kind of like, you know, what we are uh, sending out there, our words and our actions. It can be a, either be a warm, inviting kind of a light, or it can be one that's unpleasant and irritating. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse, beginning of verse 14. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. First of all here, Jesus is reminding us of our identity. He's reminding us that we're ambassadors. He's reminding us that we are the light of the world. We are the ones with the message. We are the ones who know the way, the truth, and the life. We are the ones that are bringing his gospel to the rest of the world, aren't we? So um, we have this incredible privilege of partnering with God in the redemption of human beings. And he says this, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, we're out there. We're out there for everybody to see all day long. We're a city on a hill. We can't be, we can't be hidden. We, we're, we're a lamp. We are Christ's lamp. Not to be hidden under a basket, but to give light to all in the house, he says, to our families, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, everyone in our sphere of influence. So Jesus said, 
let your light shine in such a way. He doesn't say, turn on, turn off your light. The light is shining, right? It's going to be shining. But let it shine in such a way. See, I can, I, I can change this, can't I? I can let it shine this way. I can let it shine this way. Or I can let it shine, you know, the way I want it to. Let that light shine in such a way so that people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, they look at the kind of person that you are and they're seeing a difference. And they say, God did that. God did that. God is at work in their life, right? Because at somewhere during the, during the course of things, people find out that we're Christians, right? They find out that we're believers in Jesus. And then they see this difference in our lives. I was going to get a coffee cup. I didn't do that this morning. Um, but you know how you know, and I could have this coffee cup here, just kind of imagine it, and you, you don't know what's in it. How do you find out what's in it? You bump into it, right? <laughs> see what spills out. Right. The best indicator of Christ in us is what happens when you and I are bumped. What happens when we're jostled? What happens when we're wronged, especially when we're wronged for for no reason? Right. When we don't deserve it, when we're stressed, when we don't get our way. What color is our light? In those situations, best indicator, and people are watching. We are still that city on a hill. Can't hide under a basket, right? So the color, that color, will color the message that we speak. Now let's let's just take for example this this will this will be nice on a day like this. Just kind of just kind of close your eyes and think that it's freezing in here. All right. Absolutely freezing in here so that we could see our breaths. Now, let's say we turned off all the lights and I took this red light and I went. What color would my breath be? Be red, wouldn't it? Now it would be green, wouldn't it? Now it would be blue, right? The point is. The color that we put out of our lives colors the words that come out of our mouths. See what I'm saying? So the kind of person that we are when we're bumped into, the kind of person that we are when when we don't get our way colors the message that we speak. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about, about you can know God and all of that, right? And all those words are going to be colored by the light that we give off, especially in the tough times. So let's go back. Let's go back. Who are we? We are ambassadors. We are chosen by God, chosen by the God of the universe to partner with him in the most important job in the whole world in the history of the world, the saving of lost people, the destiny of people's eternal souls. Nothing more important than that. What, what, what is going to be uh, important a thousand years from now? 
Not what kind of car we drove, not kind of secular job we had. None of that's going to matter, right? We're talking eternal stuff here. It's our greatest function in life. No matter what else we do educationally, uh, socially, career-wise, marriage, family, right? This is our highest function as human beings. We are the light of the world. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's not walking among us anymore, bringing the message of the gospel. He said, I am leaving. I'm commissioning you. You are my hands and feet. You are my mouthpiece. You are my church. I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you into the world. Let's grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of that. We are the ones whom God has strategically placed into all corners of the world, right? Into our unique sphere of influence. We are the ones he has placed there to carry this message of life in Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand that coloring every word that we speak is how we live. So we're talking about ambassador training here, right? Um, the, the first thing that we have to understand in ambassador training is that the most important thing is not the words that we speak, but the life that we live. It's not the words that we speak, but the life that we live. Someone might say, well, if I have to wait for all that, I probably won't be sharing the gospel with too many people, right? Because I'm not there yet. Well, let me tell you a story. I, I once had a guy come to see me in the church I attended years ago. He just started attending the church, and he said his marriage was about over. He said, it's, it's at its breaking point. I don't know if, if it's salvageable at all. And he asked if I could help. I said, sure, you know, bring, bring your wife, come on in. We'll, we'll talk about things. And he said, she won't come. First of all, she's not a believer. And second of all, anything I suggest, she probably doesn't want any, any part of anyway. I said, hmm. So, kind of praying, you know, under my breath and, and feeling like the Lord was leading me. I said, okay, uh, let's do this. Let's work on you. Let's, let's, let's talk about you and your relationship with the Lord. Let's get you in tight with the Lord. So as she sees what he's doing in your life, it will affect the both of you. It will affect, have a, a positive effect. Um, on your marriage, because as you grow closer in discipleship with the Lord, um, you're, you're, you're not only going to love him, but you're going to love her in a greater way. And he said, that sounds good. So the first thing we uncovered was that he was a believer in God, but had not been born again. He had not personally received Jesus as his savior. So we talked about that. He asked the Lord into his life. And things obviously began to uh, move forward uh, from that point. I had the privilege of leading him to Christ. But then it turned out, as we started talking about things and how'd your week go and stuff like that, um, turned out he was kind of insecure. 
And because he was insecure, he was insanely jealous. Okay, to the point of being way overboard. You know, who are you on the phone with? Uh, you know, you were only supposed to go to the store and get this and this. You're a half an hour late. Why is it? I mean, he was, you know, he was all over this poor girl, uh, checking up on her, who, where she was, who she was talking to. He was so controlling. He was suffocating his poor wife. And so as we got him growing in faith, as we got him trusting the Lord, being able to to put these things on the Lord's shoulders and chill, you know, with some of this, um, his wife began to see a difference. He began to ease up on her and, and do some things to show his own love and win her heart. He, you know, he would leave me and go and get some flowers and, and take them home, you know, to her, something he hadn't done in years and years and years and years. But then he blew it. She went somewhere with a girlfriend or whatever, and she was like an hour late, and he went ballistic. He went up one side of her and down the other, and it was it was ugly. It was ugly. And he, and he told me about that, and when he came in to see me, he says, I think we're right back where we started again. And again, feeling led of the Lord, I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. You are not the same guy that you were. I said, and this is the key. Let me ask you a question. I said, when you have blown up with her in the past, what have you done after that? You ever asked her to forgive you? Have you ever apologized? No. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Instead of now defending yourself and not talking to her for four or five days or whatever, now you go back to her and say, listen, I messed up. I, I, I'm sorry. I love you so much. I was, I was jealous, but I was wrong in, in getting on you like that. I'm very sorry. Would you forgive me? I said, it's not the fact that you're never going to make mistakes. It's not the fact that you have to be perfect from here on out. But what you do with your mistakes is absolutely critical because it shows that you're genuine. It shows that there is a change. It shows that it's real. Listen, people know that you're not perfect. I I hope you realize that. I actually had somebody tell me that one time. Uh, I, I've told you about issues that I've dealt with in the past, and I came back from my sabbatical, and I, I, I started getting very real in the pulpit. And I had somebody in the church come in and say, "We always knew you weren't perfect," and uh, I knew the spirit in which they meant it, and it was it was very hurtful. No, um, it, it 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 was it was nice, um, but people know we're not perfect, and we don't have to be perfect. Not saying that your light has to be perfectly white and warm and lovely and, and Pollyanna, you know. I remember Pollyanna. You have to be Pollyanna all the time. It's just not reality. But if you come back to somebody and say, you know what? I blew it yesterday. Um, I, I just I, I feel bad that I got caught up in that conversation. We were talking about so-and-so. And I... I I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want, I just, 
I, I felt convicted in my heart. I want to talk about people behind their back. Or when, when, I, when this happened yesterday, I, I was rude to you. I was short. I was sharp. And, and I just want to, I, I apologize. Would you forgive me for that? People will be stunned. You know why? Because the world doesn't do that. 98% of the time when people do things, if you call upon them later, they will give you 15 reasons why that was the right thing to do. They will justify. They will defend. But when we come and say, you know, say, you know, I was, and and we can even bring God into it. You know, I was praying and and God showed me I, I was wrong here. God showed you you were wrong and you're apologizing to me. This is a very interesting God. He's not just a God of of this, uh, you know, Sunday morning church. This person met with somebody. They had a conversation and now they're coming back and they're apologizing to me. When I was probably a little at fault, too, or whatever. Something's going on here. Let your light so shine that they will see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. God's doing something in them. They're genuine. They're real. They made a mistake, but look at there. They're owning up to it. You see the difference? So what we do with those mistakes is almost, if not more important than being on top of our game all throughout the day. Plus, they know that they're not perfect. And if they see that God works with imperfect people, it's like, maybe I do want to know this God. Maybe I do want to have a relationship with Jesus like they're talking to me about. Because they're, they're not perfect, right? And I'm not perfect. Maybe this thing could work after all. Because I'll tell you what, we have a society, we have a culture that is sick and tired about hearing, just hearing and not seeing the goods, right? So we can show them the goods even when we blow it. They can see that God allows U-turns and be encouraged. I'm not saying that we don't look to the Lord to grow as believers. Not saying that at all. And talk, talk about the, uh, the power flickering, right? When the power flickered at night. Oops. Come on. There it is. It, you, you notice how when the power flickers, the light becomes variable. Is there a lesson in there somewhere? I think so. When, if, if we're not keeping the power consistent to our spirit, our light's going to change. It's going to be a lot more variable. We're going to be a lot more up and down. But if we are intentional, if we are consistent about spending time in prayer with the Lord, if we are open, if we are confessing our sins, Lord, I blew it at work today. How do you want me to handle this? You know, you want me to make up with somebody, whatever uh, the situation is. We're, we're constantly cleansing our hearts before the Lord. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? 
Um, we're, we're spending time in the word. We're spending time in fellowship. We're spending time in worship. We're consistently doing these things so that we're, our spirit is consistently receiving being in the Lord's presence. And that's going to make our light be a lot more sustainable. Amen. Power won't be flickering. We won't be up and down, up and down, up and down. Plus, um, talked about making things right with other people. Making things right with other people is also an action of obedience to God. Matthew 5.23 says this. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, whether it's at church, whether it's your own private prayer time, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, there's a whole sermon in that or two. (laughs) But do you see the priority here? You see how important uh, human relationships are to God. He says, don't, don't, don't leave your gift. Oh, what is our gift? Our gift is the sacrifice of praise, right? Our gift is worship to God. God says, hold on, go make this thing right. Go make this thing right. Why? Because our light is having an effect on other people. People whom dearly Christ loves that he died for, right? So he wants us to make those things right. Whether it's, a, uh, in this case, your brother, okay? If we have offended somebody else in the church by the things we've said that we've done, first of all, you know, we need to go. We need to humble ourselves. We need to pick up the phone. We need to go see them. We need to say, hey, I was, I was harsh. I was rude. I was whatever, right? I need to make this right. Or the person at work or the customer. Or next time you're in the store, if you were rude with the cashier, you know, make it right, God says. Because, again, they will see your good works. They will see that that there's something real to this God thing, and he's working in your life. I have had numerous times when in prayer, the Lord has lovingly shown me things where I have blown it, where I have messed up something I said or did and how it may have affected another person. And, and sometimes I've gone to them and I've said, hey, you know, listen, I just want to tell you, um, I realize, you know, that this could have hurt you, could have injured you, could have offended you. And, and uh, uh, I, I'm very sorry for that. Would you please forgive me? And because I've built up, you know, some credibility with people over the years, ah, you know, I wasn't offended by that. You, you didn't need to say that. I said, yes, I did. I may not have needed to say that for you. I needed to say it for me because the Holy Spirit came on me, convicted me of that thing. I need to make it right. Whether whether or not it makes a difference out there, I need to do it because my heart needs to be soft to the Holy Spirit when he speaks to me. I need to do what he tells me to do. That way, my heart becomes softer and softer and softer, and I can hear his voice more and more clearly because I'm responding to it and not hardening my heart against it. 
think I've mentioned this before, Joe, you know what happens from playing the guitar on the strings. You get calluses, right? When we resist the Holy Spirit, he's leading us. You need to go make amends. You need to do this. You need to do that. No, no, no. What happens? We build up calluses on our heart. Calluses to the voice of the Lord. Calluses to the nearness of the Spirit. And it's slow over time, but we get hardened to him. And the, the quickest way to get rid of that is when the Lord says something, we do it, right? We respond to him. Even if it makes no difference out there, which it probably will, it makes a difference in here, right? So it's an action of obedience. So here we are. We are all, me included, ambassadors in training, handpicked handpicked by God to be his emissaries for the most important job on the face of the earth. Let's remember that our light is always shining, that the kind of person that we are, especially in the tough times, colors the message that we're sharing with others. Now, what are we shooting here for? with God's help. Here's a, here's a very quick guide, okay? Um, what we're shooting for. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There they are right there. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Uh, here, here's the question. Here's the question. Are you and am I generally known by these? Do people generally, now we're, again, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to have off days. Are we generally known as loving or selfish? Joyful or complaining? At peace or stressed out? Patient? Or quick-tempered? Faithful or untrustworthy? Gentle or harsh or rude? Self-controlled or impulsive? How do people generally see our lives? This is what we're searching. This is the goal, right? This is our light shining before people. And just as important, again, if not more so, from all these things, is that when we find that we've been the latter, L-A-T-T-E-R, the latter, I have to enunciate, right? Um, what do we do about it? If I've been impulsive, if I've been rude, if I've been whiny, Right? What then do I do about it after I've spent time in the Lord's presence? And I go, oh, did it again, Ron. Did it again. What do I need to do about that? And recolor the message. We get do-overs. <laughs> right? You blow it. You mess up. You, you offend somebody. We get a do-over. You come humbly 
you say, Lord, you say, Lord's dealing with me. I, I need to ask your forgiveness, right? We're recoloring that message, and they're seeing it and glorifying our Father in heaven. Amen. You're a good God. <laughs> oh well, Lord. Here we are, as we are. You, uh, as my friend Mike used to say, I like to quote, boy, you didn't get a good deal when you picked me. But you picked me nonetheless, imperfect as I am, imperfect as we are, Lord. We're, we're, we're getting this sense, we're getting this sense of calling, Lord, that you have, you've called us to this incredible uh, position and maybe at the most incredible time in history, when people are looking, when people are watching, when the whole world is crumbling around them and they're looking for something real. God, help us to be that person that is real before them and shows them that we have a real relationship with God who allows U-turns, but who works in our lives, who brings us peace in the midst of the storm, who, who, who works in us, who, who still answers prayer and does miracles, gives us joy, gives us patience, self-control, helps us to reach out to people in need, Oh, God, help us, Lord, that our light would shine, Jesus, for you. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the privilege. And thank you, Lord, for the power. Because, God, we can't do this on our own. You know that. But you said, not only without me you can do nothing, but, Lord, you said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So, Lord, we thank you that this power, that, that if we have received you, that you're living in us, that that power is there to help us 24-7. So thank you, Lord, for that. And if you're here this morning and you have not, or on Zoom, and you have not opened that door to Jesus, you do not have that personal relationship with him. You've never taken the whole of your sin and brought it to the foot of the cross and said, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, be my savior. If that's you this morning, I invite you to open your heart to him, even in this moment. Say, Lord, I've, I've, <laughs> I've obviously sinned like everybody else against you. And I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for me, taking my sins, taking the punishment so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be reconciled to God. I want you as my Savior. I want you as my Lord. I want to have that kind of daily relationship with you that the pastor's been talking about. So come into my heart, Jesus. Come into my life. And shine your light through me to a world that needs you. I thank you for that. Oh, God, be glorified through us all, we pray. In Jesus' name.
Amen.